We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning, everyone. So awesome, powerful readings today. Um, today, I hope today challenges you. Today is one of those gospels that challenges me in a huge way and in a really joyful way. Uh, it kind of reminds me. And some, today we're going to talk about things you already know. But my hope today is that Christ speaks to you. You don't harden your heart, as the, gospel, or the responsorial psalm said. And that it challenges you in such a way that it's so life-giving. And, it's, and you'll say in your heart, you'll say, Amen, that's the way I'm supposed to live. So I don't know if you've ever read it, but there's a famous short kind of novella from Leo Tolstoy. And it's called The Death of Ivan Illich. Uh, I want you to think about death today. All of our readings are going to challenge us about death today. Our first reading from Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes Quoheleth is going to say, life is vanity because no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, no matter how wise you are, you're going to die and you're going to leave everything that you worked hard on to somebody else and they're probably a total chump, right? That's Ecclesiastes. Uh, our second reading is all about baptism and we'll get to that at the end of the homily today, hopefully. But it's about death. Baptism is about death, and we'll get to that. And then our gospel today, right, the rich man speaks to himself about comfort and ease and storing up things for himself, and God says to him, you fool, this night your soul is demanded. And the things you have gained for yourself, whose will they be? The, the readings today, the church wants us to think about death. So the death of Ivan Illich uh, is a brilliant little short story. And Tolstoy, as he tells the story of the death of Ivan Illich, what happens is Ivan Illich is a respectable, kind of aristocratic, just normal guy, right? He's got his act together. He was probably pretty cool. He would go to Lourdes, right? He would fit in with you guys. And everything's going great in his life until one day he falls off of a ladder. He falls off a ladder and he gets some pain in his side. And like all men, he ignores it, right? He's like, ah, it's nothing, it'll just go away. But his pain in his side doesn't get better, it gets worse. And as it gets worse, his friends don't know how to deal with it. Because when someone suffers in our world, we oftentimes don't know how to just suffer with them, how to just be with them. We don't like seeing suffering and painful things. So his friends start to abandon him. His wife <clears throat> starts looking for cures, and she hires more and more expensive doctors to try to heal him. But it doesn't work. And so Ivan Illich... In this novel, it says this. Tolstoy writes, What tormented Ivan Illich most was the deception, the lie, which for some reason they all accepted, that he was not dying. 
but was simply ill. He was not dying, but was simply ill, and that he need only keep quiet and undergo a treatment, and then something very good would result. We've all done this. When someone is suffering, especially when someone is dying, we don't know what to say, and we don't want to face death. So hear this one more time. What tormented Ivan Illich the most, and people who are dying, by the way, very frequently, they know they're dying. And it doesn't help them when we pretend they're not. What tormented Ivan Illich most was the deception, the lie, which for some reason they all accepted, that he was not dying, but was simply ill. And he only need keep quiet and undergo a treatment, and then something very good would result. None of us think we're going to die. And you've heard me say this before. I hope you have. Brothers and sisters, you're going to die. And the more you think about that, not in a depressing way, if you're, if you're in that place, that obviously that's not healthy. But most of us live our lives as if death didn't exist. One of the ways Christianity radically changed the entire world is when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it meant that you and I do not treat death like other people. The Christian has the freedom to stare death in the face and to know that there's life on the other side. That's massively important. And I want to talk to you today about this. I want to talk to you and, and I want to think of this today in terms of scarcity and abundance. Scarcity and abundance. When you think about death, if you're a good Christian, right, it'll make you think about your life in the best possible way. Christians engage with death because we know that Christ has conquered it. And it's not just a nice Hallmark card, it's the truth. And that changes everything. Absolutely everything. Scarcity and abundance. So today, our gospel reading, right? Jesus tells a parable about a man who is storing up treasure for himself in Luke chapter 12. And I want us today to think about scarcity and abundance and the logic of the world. So the world, the world wants you to think about scarcity, right? There isn't enough. How many of you, do you ever get nervous there's not enough of something? How many of you ever worry about that? You know what I'm going to say, the rest of you are liars. <laughs> it's an old line, but it's a good line. We all get nervous about that. I get nervous about that. I get scared there's not enough. I haven't saved enough for retirement, right? I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. There, is there enough? And when we ask that question and when we think about scarcity, it makes us afraid, right? If you listen to all the news about, like, the stock market, 
you should stop doing that, by the way. If you listen to the news about like the stock market, do you ever notice how the stock market is always about to crash? Like always. And like, it's, it, I mean, it probably will, I don't know. But that's every time you like hear anything financially, it's like, we're having the best year ever, which means it's all gonna crash tomorrow. And you're like, oh no, there's not enough. I don't have enough retirement savings. And it scares you. The world operates in fear. So the logic of the world is this. The logic of the world says there's not enough and so I've got to get more. I've got to store up against tomorrow because tomorrow the market's going to crash. The fear of tomorrow makes me today right, live for worldly things because I have to be scared about tomorrow. We do that with money, which is what our gospel is going to be about when we kind of dive into that. We also do it with our time and our life. This book, this isn't actually The Death of Ivan Illich. This is a book called Being Mortal, and it quotes that, that novel. And in that, in Being Mortal, this, this world-renowned doctor talks about how you and I are so scared of death that we pretend it's not real. And modern science and medicine spends exorbitant, insane amounts of money trying to convince people that they're not going to die. And we spend billions and billions of dollars in this country extending people's lives by days and months, and oftentimes they're the most awful, difficult moments of a person's life. And we do it because we don't believe in heaven. Because there's not enough days. And if these are all the days I have, I need more. So one of my guilty little pleasures as a priest is when everyone's ears perk up. It's called Snickers. No, just kidding. Um, one of the bands I love, which you might not guess, but it's like, do you ever have those bands that really don't fit the rest of your music? I'm usually like, you know, the like Gregory Isaacov, like singer, folk writer, folk song kind of writer, you know, very Colorado, very cool. But I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You just have to. And if you don't know the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you're probably very holy, and so you'll be scandalized, so don't look them up. <laughs> but I love the Chili Peppers, and they're in my car when I'm getting ready for a bike ride, I'm like, oh yeah, we need, we need a little, little Chili Peppers here. One of their songs, they have this great line, and I don't recommend this song, it's less than Christian, but there's this line, and they're talking about this kind of dynamic of being God's. And one of the lines, it says, pay your surgeon very well to break the spell of aging. Pay your surgeon very well to break the spell of aging, right? There's not enough money, so I have to save a ton of money. There's not enough time, and so I have to do everything I can to convince myself that I'm immortal and I'm not going to die. So pay your surgeon very well to break the spell of aging. The logic of the world says there's not enough and you've got to be scared about that and you have to get everything for yourself because it's going to run out. <laughs> I've got great news for you today. Great news. The gospel of Jesus Christ saves you from that way of thinking. It sets you free. The fear of death binds us. 
It makes us live lives of fear. It makes us live lives of selfishness. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection of Jesus Christ saves us from that worldly way of thinking. The logic of the world says scarcity. The logic of the gospel is a logic of abundance. The logic of the gospel is a logic of abundance. In our gospel today, right, Jesus says, you fool. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Brothers and sisters, you do not think the way the world thinks. You do not believe that death has the last word. You do not believe there is not enough. You believe in God who is infinite. And when you believe in abundance, when you believe that you have a never-ending river of life that feeds your soul, it means you can give up your life. When I was a, a focus missionary, there was a story one of our teachers liked to tell. And he would talk about how his children used to fight over cereal. And when the box was running low of cereal, right now I don't remember what it was, but let's say Frosted Flakes. So good, right? My mom never let us have Frosted Flakes. She was a horrible tyrant. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Frosted Flakes are running out. And so what do you do? You fight with your brother because you're like, there's not enough. There's not enough Frosted Flakes. I need the last of that box. Give me the Frosted Flakes. And our teacher would say, with his children, he used to tell them, I know this is hard for you to grasp, but I have the ability to provide vast quantities of Frosted Flakes. <laughs> so you don't have to be scared about your bowl going empty. You can share it with your brother. Do you believe that about God? Do you believe that about God? In the same chapter, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this just, just after this parable. He says, fear not, little flock. That's you. And do you hear that word? Fear not. Faith, real faith, frees you and I from anxieties. Jesus, because I know you're always faithful. And I know the Father is always faithful. I know that. You have proven that to me in my life time and time again. It doesn't mean my life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be pleasurable. But it is going to be good, and I know that, and I believe it. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you have that confidence, if you know that your Father loves you, Right, tomorrow, I don't know if the stock market is going to crash tomorrow. The stock market could be gone tomorrow. Social security could be gone tomorrow. I know God will be there tomorrow. I know he will be. And I know he'll be there after I die. That frees us. If you have that freedom, here's what Jesus says. Sell your possessions and give alms. If I had someone in my life, right, 
Father Ken Leone, I just thought of this, who is, he's, you've heard me talk about him. He's probably the most famous priest in Colorado. I grew up with Father Ken. And Father Ken, we always said, is the perfect blend of St. Francis of Assisi and Willy Wonka. Like, <laughs> imagine that. It is just that fun. It really is. But Father Ken was famous for constantly handing out money to people. Just constantly. He was always giving money to people. And he would always tell us as seminarians, he would say, he's like, I don't know how this works, but I know that whenever I give money away, God always gives me like twice as much. And then I give that away and more comes in. And Father Ken was never scared about money. If you had a father or a mother who had, was infinitely rich, you wouldn't be scared about being generous to the poor. That's Christianity. That's faith. Sell your possessions and give alms. The rich man, he laid up treasure. In that parable Jesus uses about the barns, the rich man lays up treasure for himself. You can do that. And, and, and people in the world are going to say, that's smart, do that. Lay up treasure. Pay yourself first. I was an accounting major. I understand the logic. It's smart. Jesus says, sell your possessions, give alms, right? Alms means not your tithe to the church. Alms means the poor. Alms means I go beyond my, my giving to the church. I see a poor person, and it's going to sting me a little bit, but I take care of the poor. That's what alms are. Sell your possessions, give alms, provide yourself with purses that do not grow old, right? A bank account that never runs out with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. The world says there's not enough. You're not going to have enough. So store up treasure on earth. Build bigger barns. Say to yourself, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I die. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, your father loves you. Eternity is real. Lose your life. And when you lose your life, when you lose your money, when you lose your time, when you lose your coolness or whatever else it is, you store up treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, Christianity does not live from fear. It lives from faith. And faith means not again, and you know this, if you come to Lord's, someone told me a while back, they were like, like, Father Brian, people don't like to go to your church because your messages are too hard. And I was like, well, next time we're preaching about H-E double hockey sticks. Take that, right? <laughs> no, the gospel is hard. And you know what else? It's the best thing ever. And hopefully the things that I preach here, I hope and pray that they're not mine. If they are, I'm, if they're from me, then I'm sinning. It's just what he says that matters. That's it. Jesus says to you, Lose your life. The logic of the world says you want to be happy, you want to find joy, do you want to find life. The world says get rich, 
Be selfish, be smart. Take care of number one. The logic of the gospel, the logic of Jesus Christ says, the one who seeks his own life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you want to know if you have faith? Brothers and sisters, you want to know if you have faith? How generous are you? This way of thinking permeates every aspect of Catholic teaching. In the Middle Ages, actually really at the, towards the end of the Roman Empire, in the first, even in, talking about like 5th century time, hospitals and places that cared for the dying and the sick didn't exist. Pagans didn't believe in that. Christians did. Catholics understood that their father loved them and they could lose their wealth and their time and their health and everything else because God provided and there was eternity. And so they built things like hospitals and orphanages and homes for the poor and the dying. That is a Christian invention. That's the logic of the gospel. Are you generous? You might say, well, Father Brian, my bank account's not that big. You can still be generous. You say, I'm really busy. I don't have any time to give. Yes, you do. You can say no to some of the worldly things, and you can give of your time and your love and your wisdom that is so desperately needed. St. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6. He says, as for the rich in this world... And I want to just acknowledge one thing. I, didn't, I should have said this last Mass. We have some wealthy people in this church who get this. But I hope every one of us gets this. We live in a rich country. All of us are rich. I'm sure there are some exceptions to that, but you're rich in some way. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be haughty. Don't be haughty. I don't even know what that means, but don't do it. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches. Right? Riches will betray you. They do not satisfy. They do not protect. Only God can give security. Tell them to trust in God who richly furnishes us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good deeds, liberal and generous. They are thus to lay up for themselves, and there's that word, right? Lay up treasure in heaven. They are to lay up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life which is life indeed. One of the marks of real Christians, and by the way, I'm not there yet, I need to grow in this. I love homilies like this because I'm like, man, Jesus, you're so good to me. I have to be better. And I want to be more generous and I want to give my life in a better way, in a more rich way, in a more generous way. One of the marks of real Christians is that they are generous in their time, in their love, in their money, and they love the poor. And God says that when you love the poor, you store up for yourself treasure in heaven.
Lastly today, I want to leave you with our second reading. In Colossians 3 was our, our second reading today. And chapters 2 and 3 of Colossians are all about baptism. So St. Paul says today in Colossians 3, he says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Right? We don't live the way other people live because we died and we rose with Christ. But in chapter 2 is what he's talking about. Just before this, Paul says, he says, you were buried with Christ in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. The day you were baptized, that part of you that is worldly and belongs to earth died in the waters of baptism. And you were raised to the promise of eternal life. And Paul says today, you need to live like that's true. Do not set your mind on earthly things. I used to, when I was in seminary, I was like, and I'm still worldly, I'm working on it. Sorry, Lord, working on it. When I was in seminary, I remember praying the rosary at night and I'd walk through neighborhoods. You ever walk through like these like beautiful neighborhoods and I'd be praying my rosary and I'd see these like gorgeous homes and I'm like, oh, I bet I'll have a house like that in heaven, right? My heart was set on riches, right? My heart was set on riches. Brothers and sisters, Paul, in our reading today, he said, beware of the greed that is idolatry. Right? What do you look to for happiness? What's going to make your life complete and full? Christians say, the only thing, Lord, the only thing that can make me happy and can save my soul is you. The world says, a really nice house does. That's what will fulfill you. A really nice car. A really nice retirement. Brothers and sisters, that is idolatry. It is the worship of a false god. Jesus, today, Lord, give us real faith. Give us minds that are like yours. Give us minds that think the way you think, Lord, that our hearts would not be set on treasures on earth, that our hearts would be set in heaven. Lord, give me the faith. Give all of us the faith today that we know we don't have to be afraid. I do not have to fear tomorrow. The stock market might crash. Our culture might collapse. I might experience hardship tomorrow. But I know you'll be there. I know tomorrow you will still be faithful. I know you'll be faithful in my hardships. And I know you will be faithful when I die. And that means I can be generous now. We love you, Jesus. Teach us to be generous.